Holland from Minnesota Metal Band Celestial Drift. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with my guy, the Icon. Funding.com. Again, one of our newest sponsors. And again, we want to thank the Hart family, uh, who's going to be on with us more in one of those special shows we got coming up. But want to thank the Hart family for, you know, having the faith in us to, you know, give us, I don't know if it's exclusive rights, but the rights anyway, to play the Sharpshooter Funding commercial uh, throughout the show. So again, big thanks to them and Brett and the whole family um, to, uh, to allow us for that. The reason why we're on today, uh, whether you're listening live or you're listening playback, the reason why we're on here today is because we have two guests, one of which you know, one of which you ought to know, uh, and, and you're probably you're going to know after you're done with, with our interview. But the first one is a name that if you were a wrestling fan growing up you know, in the late 90s, it's a name that was unavoidable, whether you were an NWA fan uh, you know, a WWF fan or a WCW fan, this is a name of a gentleman that that is just impossible not to have heard this name throughout the wrestling circles, and that is Diamond Dallas Page, DDP. And uh, we've been working on DDP for a while. He finally agreed to come on with us, and I'm so thrilled, so excited, and uh, quite frankly honored to have Mr. Right. Diamond Cutter himself on with us. So. Right. It's and uh, going, Icon, you know, did his thing and hooked us I'm gonna, up. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to make the call now, and then I'll be back, and then we'll get him on, all right? That sounds great to me, man. Well, actually, wait a minute, though. Before before you do it, uh, we're talking a little bit about um, his DDP yoga. I just want to put that out there for people who, you know, who might be expecting certain things from the interview uh, we are going to be promoting and talking about DDP Yoga because it is a great program. It helps a lot of people, uh, and it's it's really something to um, to to really invest in if you're trying to get in shape physically and mentally. Uh, something really that you should look into, and we'll give you the website, we'll give you the links, and all that stuff. So, uh, Icon is is going to be in touch with DDP here, and we will get. The Diamond Cutter himself on with us. Uh, well, well, Icon is waiting to, uh, to get Diamond Dallas on the phone with us. Uh, Granny Hoekster here with us as well, taking time out of her day. I don't know if it's a sunny day where you're at, but I know it's beautiful, about 80 degrees here uh, in New York, which is a shock because we've skipped, basically skipped spring and went straight to summer. Oh, um, we have to. We didn't have a it's, spring. It's about... Yeah, it, it, we have too. It's been about in the 80s the last couple of days. Today, today's a little sunny, a little warm, but it's not bad. I don't like it when it gets real hot, but I'm glad to be well, a I part of imagine. this special show today because I, you know, you talked about DDP, you know, back in the day, you know, and you know me, I'm a huge fan and I, you know, oh, I've watched course. DDP for years wrestle, you know, so I'm, 
I'm very excited to and very privileged and honored to get to be a part of this special show this afternoon. So I'm looking forward to it. And, and you know, we're racking up the the names here on our resume. I mean, for those of you who have been following, um, you know, we started off the interview show format uh, with Buff Bagwell. And, I mean, we've had, you know, obviously we get a lot of underground guys, a lot of up-and-comers uh, as well, uh, a lot of indie circuit wrestlers, which which are great as well. We love them. We love hearing their stories. Uh, but, you know, we've had Savio Vega and or Quang. He actually called in as both. We've had Bob Backlund. We've had Tino uh, – excuse me, I can't talk today. Tito Santana. We've had Ken Shamrock. Obviously, we spoke last night with Dan Severin. Um, on the show, we have had – I'm trying to remember. Quite a quite a bit of oh uh, Animal of Melody, um, you know Gilbert was on with us so uh, you know we've we've had a lot of uh, a lot of names who have been you know pristine names well, within the I've met I've circuit. met I've met Beth Bagwell a couple of different opportunities I've met Jerry Lawler the a few stuff. times uh, I've met the Rock and Roll Express a couple of times Bushwhacker mm-hmm. Luke um, we talked about Eugene last night Nick Dinsmore I've, yeah, I've we, met yeah we him. had Eugene. Yep. Uh, you know, I've met a lot of big names over the years, you know, going to different wrestling shows. Um, I had the mm-hmm. opportunity to get, to get to meet Abyss here back in April, which was very yeah, exciting. Was I, I, I didn't realize how big that man really was till I stood next to him. <laughs> that was oh, like, well, you whoa. could tell on TV. You could tell on TV. He's yeah, I can imagine in person but, uh, he's even bigger. Unfortunately, you know, where we were at, they uh, wasn't able to do the, the show, which we were kind of disappointed, but we still got to meet him, and he loved my name. He thought that was awesome, and he kind of asked how I got my name, and I, I shared the story with him, and he said, well, you know, Granny, if we would have had that Monster Ball match tonight, I would have had you in my corner. You could have been handing me tax, you know, which hey, I guys. thought was pretty cool, you know. <laughs> so, like, hey, guys. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Hey, I think he's back. All right. Okay, uh, you're here with I us. Have, uh, I have a man on. I'm going to go ahead and introduce him, and then uh, we'll talk to him. All Beautiful. Right? Sounds Ooh, like a plan. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down that aisle with a diamond cutter in his hand. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend, he will not only teach you the best yoga in the entire world, but he'll, he can teach you a wrestling holder, too. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you, without further ado, Mr. Diamond Dallas Page. Yay! <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. Unstoppable, bro. <laughs> now, I hope that was the best introduction you've ever had, because I hate to get a diamond cutter today. No, but well, it'll do. But I, I can't. Do yo- he has, I had, do yo- he has had Bruce don't. Buffer. Well, he has had Bruce Buffer introduce <laughs> him, so I don't know. Yeah, a little better, <laughs> but... Uh, Bottom line is, I do want to square something. You said yoga. I don't do yoga. I do DDP yoga uh, because it's kind of yoga for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. So just so we got that squared away. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. well let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, the, uh, we're uh, we're going to kind of split this up in uh, half and half. We're going to uh, talk about DDP yoga, and then we'll ask you some uh, burning wrestling questions that uh, we've been wanting to ask you since I was a kid. So. Uh, sure. First off, Very true. Uh, how did you uh, how did you develop DDP yoga? When did you start that? 
Well, uh, out of necessity, uh, this will sort of segue a little wrestling. I didn't become a professional wrestler until I was 35 years old. Um, my career didn't take off until I was 40 years old, and that was in uh, 1996. 1997 and 98, I was on top of the world, and then I ruptured my L4 and L5. You could say I broke my back, and oh, I had no. three. Yeah, I had three different spine specialists tell me that I was never going to wrestle again. And I just signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. So the guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga would pretty much do anything to get back in that ring and live the dream a little longer. So I started doing yoga, and uh, I I was blown away by how much it was helping me. Uh, Everybody was like, I was doing video. like VHS tapes, and everybody was like Gumby, and they could, you know, twist themselves up like a pretzel, which was really frustrating for me because no one modified any of the positions. So I had to figure those out, and as I started to, it really started to help me break up some scar tissue and and get myself a little bit more flexible. And then I added in rehabilitation techniques, like, you know, all the different stuff that they teach you from – rehabbing your back, but I also have had rehab both shoulder surgeries, both knee surgeries. So I knew a little bit about that stuff. So I added the, the rehab mixed in with the yoga positions, and then I added old-school calisthenics, push-ups, squats, crunches, done with the slow-burn movement. And what I figured out completely by accident was when you're time under tension, when you're flexing and engaging muscles, you every time you flex or engage a muscle, your heart has to beat faster to get the blood to the muscle. So what I created, I call it dynamic resistance, but what I created by accident was what DDP yoga is or DDPY is known as today is a kick-ass cardiovascular workout that will dramatically increase your flexibility, strengthen your core like never before with minimal joint impact. In less than three months, I was back in the ring. At 42, they said my career's over. At 43, as heavyweight champ of the world. So, as you can imagine, I'm going to keep doing that. And it's turned in 19 years later into, you know, a phenomenon that's uh, really changing and, you know, saving lives to a certain degree. Now, when you, uh, when you started, uh, uh, you know, uh, your program and uh, – um, uh, did you uh, did you want to start? Uh, did someone approach you about doing uh, like uh, commercials and videos and uh, uh, or or just uh, did you say that you're going to go out and do it all yourself? Well, it was just to heal my body in the beginning, and then I started helping so many other people that were friends of mine, and then I wrote a book on it with a friend of mine, Dr. Craig Aaron, and we called it Yoga for Regular Guys. That's how it started. And then I made my first DVDs, and out of that came a disabled veteran named Arthur Borman. Did you ever see that disabled veteran video that I helped the guy not only lose 140 pounds but lose his knee braces and back brace and wrap around canes and not just walk but run? Have you ever seen that video? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Well, that became like, he became the poster boy for what I do. And because of that, Jake, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, got involved and Razor Ramon, Chris Jericho, 
Uh, Chris Jericho really was the next guy to, to put DDP yoga on the map because the same thing happened to him that happened to me. He blew his back out, and, you know, he, they, he was told he was never going to wrestle again. And then three months later, he was headlining WrestleMania. I had sent Chris that video of Arthur Borman, and when he saw it, he was like, DDP, you tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And since then, that was six years ago, the guy is still wrestling at a, you know, at a ultra high, and he's 47 years young. So that, you know, that's what DDP yoga is all about. It's all about holding back the hands of time. Right now, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, um, Adam Cole. Um, there's so, so many of the guys that are doing my program, and it keeps them in the game and healthy. And it, it helps turn you know, back the hands of time. For me, I'm 62, and I can do just about anything. I could still wrestle if I wanted to. I just don't want to because I don't want to beat my body up anymore. I'm all about healing my body. Now, so if you um, with, with your so basically uh, your program is uh, three months long, correct? Three months long? No, that was just to get me to where I needed to be. It's like kind of like brushing your teeth. You know, you got to brush your teeth every day, a couple times a day. In this scenario, if you're doing the program, it can get you back on track. But, again, this is like preventative maintenance. You know, it's about strengthening your body at a different level. I do it five days a week. You know, anybody can try DDP Yoga. They go to ddpyoga.com. For old school people, I got all the DVDs you could ever want. But for the new school, people who get the app, anyone can try the DDP Yoga Now app. If you go to ddpyoga.com or Go to your iTunes or Google store. You can try it for free for seven days. Cost you nothing to try it. And now, is that uh, is that where you uh, that app is that where you uh, you uh, you teach uh, about uh, uh, different exercises or nutrition, or is it a whole uh, whole group of things that you teach using the app? Well, when it comes to the workouts, you know, a lot of, you know, there's people out there who can't get out of bed. They're so beat up. So I start people, you know, if they can't get, I got three workouts for you in bed. You can't get out of a chair. Well, the bed, once you start doing those workouts, they'll help you get into a chair. And now if you need to get, you know, you can't get out of a chair. I got six workouts for you in a chair that'll help you get out of the chair, strengthen your body. Then you use the chair. I call that stand strong. And then you get in the chair, you know, using the chair for balance and for building strength. And then hopefully you don't need the chair anymore. But if you still need the chair, you can take it to my beginner workouts, my intermediate, my advanced, or my psycho. Now, I've got over 150 workouts on the DDP Yoga Now app. There's also over 60 recipes. I'm constantly putting up new recipes, whether it's smoothies or juice drinks or entrees or vegetable dishes. And I just don't tell you with a recipe how to do it. I show you in a video with a cooking show. And then there's also Motivational Mondays. Every Monday, I'm going to come on there and motivate you and inspire you to believe in yourself because that's what I do. And then there's all the tracking you could ever want from your weight, inches, 
your pictures, your pain, blood sugar, blood pressure, A1C, it's all there. So you can watch your numbers go down as your inspiration goes up. That's awesome. Now, with, uh, with all your different uh, recipes, now, do you, uh, do, you, uh, do you have, like, names for them, or are they just, like, dishes? Like, do you have, like, the Diamond Dallas? Uh, <laughs> no, Diamond no, Dallas, or... no, no, I don't. No, eventually there'll be 200 recipes up there, and I'm not going to have a name for each one of them. But it'll be it'll be entrees. You'll have different chicken. Once in a while, I'll pull one of those uh, names up there. But no, there's no diamond cutter salads. Because you know, I was I was thinking. Of course, this is kind of an ego thing. Maybe you can uh, have like a uh, a dish named after the icon, like the uh, icon uh, pizza rolls or something. Well, I, I've, got, I've got pizza. I've got pizza on there, but it's a healthier pizza. The whole thing is, I, I don't eat anything that doesn't taste great, and I, I I only eat healthy food. But I teach people how to make healthy food that tastes great because I don't care how healthy it is if it don't taste good, I ain't eating it. Right. And I don't so, blame you. I mean that that and that's the thing. A lot of these a lot of these diet plans that people try to use. Uh, you know the things that you that they want you to eat are you know they're not even really edible. So that yeah, right. I, I totally hear you on that. I mean, I've 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 struggled with that in the past as well. Yeah, I had uh, yeah, I had gastric bypass two years ago, and uh, when you get off when you get off gastric bypass, you know you have to eat like uh, you can only eat protein and stuff. And I wish I would have found your program two years ago because I'm sure your protein shakes. Tastes a lot better than some of the stuff that I had to drink, you know. Well, you know, I actually had a guy named Jarrett who was 510 pounds. 510? 510 pounds, lost 313 pounds in 17 and a half months. And basically, it's, you know, but he also worked out, you know, five days a week. He did two days, two days a week. And he put the work in. But he, but he ate. He basically ate. It's so simple. If you want to lose weight, I mean, it's really simple. Eat protein and vegetables. Now, when you do gastric bypass, you really can't eat as many vegetables as you really need to be eating. And right. when people go, well, you know, it's hard to do that, you know, uh, diet. I don't have a diet. I have a lifestyle that I live, and most of the time, you know, I get a lot of vegetables and protein in. And if I'm eating carbohydrates, well, then they're either yams or sweet potatoes or something that's, you know, that's non-GMO, that's not been genetically modified or laced with pesticides. You know, a lot of people will be like, you know, organic this or organic that, or as your great-grandparents used to call it, food. You know, before there was any, you know, pesticides you know, sprayed all over your vegetables. You want to know why there's such so much cancer in our country and there's, like, not in Italy? Like, there's cancer in Italy, but nothing like in our country because everything they eat there is organic. Like, the food is, like, a whole different level. And there's a lot of countries that don't let them ship our garbage over there. And it's funny because... 
Like even a company like Coca-Cola, I'm in Atlanta. It's a huge company. We all know Coca-Cola. Well, there's a lot of countries that won't let them ship the Coca-Cola that we drink here. They've got to put better ingredients in there with the Coke to ship it to, say, Italy, you know, or a country that's not having any GMOs, which means genetically modified foods. And the bottom line is between genetically modified foods and all of the, the Roundup sprays that they put all over these vegetables, you know, that destroys them, you know, and you're eating all the pesticides. You know, I don't eat any of that garbage. Now, uh, of all well, the uh, of all the dishes that you have on your program that you've uh, that you've invented and came up with, what is your favorite that you that you got? Well, you know, I'm constantly creating different vegetable dishes, and I found that like I can make a salad, and when I tell you I can make a salad a hundred different ways, and <laughs> never taste the same. Because you know, there's so many different things out there, especially with all these different balsamic vinegars. And then I like throwing in some grilled vegetables on top of that. Throwing grilled vegetables into, like, a hot and cold mixture is delicious. And then I'm, I'm a big, you know, I love fish. And I, I can make chicken, mm-hmm. I don't know, 20 different ways, <laughs> you know, like off the top of my head. And I'm constantly wanting to, to change up so I'm not eating the same thing all the time because that gets really boring. And there's so many different dishes that we have, you know, on there. As a matter of fact, we just came up with a couple more today, you know, that we're going to be filming on Thursday. And so we can have some, some more, uh, you know, fresher recipes out there, you know, that, that make people, when they see it, go, oh, my God, i got to try that. You know, and, again, it's all GMO-free. If I'm eating it, it's organic. If I'm on the road, sometimes I can't get that. You know, so I'll do what I But if you're getting little bits here and there, you don't have to worry about it because everything in moderation. But when I'm home, 100% in my house is organic. So uh, do you, uh, did you ever think of, uh, like, uh, with your foods, uh, you could have, like, uh, a DDP tailgate menu for those of us that like to tailgate for football games and stuff. <laughs> we can eat healthy when we tailgate. No, again, dude, if, if, if you're tailgating, if, if I'm throwing a tailgate, I just have different – it's really the same shit, same stuff you're eating, just not the same ingredients. Meaning, like, if I'm using, like, my barbecue chicken or my uh, teriyaki chicken – which tastes unbelievable, it's just with a better set of ingredients. Like it has no gluten, no dairy. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's pure. It's the way your great-grandparents would have eaten it if they could go in the future and actually did tailgating. That's what it would be like. Like what God created, you know, like real food. So, and that's the thing. Most people have no idea. You know, anyone who's listening, if you, if you really want to smart yourself up, go on Netflix. Watch Food, Inc. When you watch Food, Inc., it changes the way you look at food. But when you watch Genetic Roulette, well, now you're on a whole different spot because now you really know what they've done to the food. And most people want to keep their heads in the ground and, you know, worry about cancer or heart disease. or, or you know, I think heart disease is the number one killer in the world. Cancer is number two. And 
It really comes down to the food you eat is how healthy you'll be. Because I don't care about being, I'm 62 now. I'm not preparing for 65. That's not, that's going to be your tomorrow. I'm preparing for 75, 85, 95. I want to feel good. I want to be able to, I've punished my body. I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I know that's going to drop as the time goes on, but as long as I feel good, that's all that matters. Well, you know, not only do you uh, you feel good, I mean, you you for your age, you still look damn good, too, as Diamond Dallas Page. We'll give you that, too, because you are, you know. And that, yeah, he makes a good point. Like, I, I've, seen, I've seen some of these wrestlers who are, you know, up there around your age, and, you know, from watching them as a kid to, you know, looking at them now and being like, is that the same person? You know, whereas with you, like, when I saw your yoga videos, well, yeah, when I saw your yoga videos and I saw the stuff on the website, I was like, that's, like, I didn't even, before I even read the, the headline, DDP Yoga, I was like, oh, that's DDP. I know who that is. So, you know, I, I could tell. I mean, you look, you, you look uh, other than the long hair, you look the same. So, you know, I, I can yeah, tell, I, you know, so that, that that's real good, too. I mean, that's, to have that, to, to look that way at your age, yeah, that's that's re- really remarkable. And, and it's really a testament to, to what your program does. You know, I try to walk the talk. I mean, that's all I can do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an extremist when it comes to the way I eat and the way I train, like the weights, the way I used to. Because as you get older, mm. you're going to start tearing muscles in your shoulder, your your pectoral muscles or your, your back or your biceps, or your triceps. So I do body on body and meaning like slow, like in my workout, I'm doing slow burn push-ups. And when I blew my back out, I had to do them on my knees. And I would lower for three, mm. hold for three, then come up for three seconds, and then lower for three, hold for three, then go to the next position. The other day on Facebook, I did 10 10-second push-ups, where you lower for 10, hold three inches off the ground for a count of 10, and then come up for 10. I did 10 of them. And wow. I've never done 10. So somehow in my 60s, I'm still getting stronger. And, you know, again, it's a testament to no impact. DDP yoga or DDPY, as I call it, it doesn't beat your body up. It heals your body. It makes you stronger. Like, I just picked up Chael Sonnen. He's been doing the program, the UFC fighter. Well, now he's Bellator. Robbie Lawler, uh, he, he fights for uh, UFC, coming off a knee injury. And the guys are trying to find ways to hold back the hands of time so they can still go out there and beat up their body, so they can go out there and do what they love to do. So now I'm on the other side of all that. You know, I'm done doing all that beating up my body. Now I'm just about healing it, making it strong, and walking the talk so I can explain to people. Because I'm never going to ask you to do something that I don't do myself. From the way I train to the way I eat to the way I talk to the way I walk. I walk the talk. So do you think that uh, by saying that, do you think uh, there's people and athletes that are uh, uh, rehabbing incorrectly? I think that they're – I wouldn't say incorrectly. I would say there's a better way. And 
when it comes to so many people. I'm doing a video with Marcus Bagwell right now, Buff Bagwell. He's a good friend of ours. He'll tell you all about it. His hip, double hip surgery and double shoulder, and I don't mean surgery, replacement. Double hip replacement in the same hip. Double shoulder replacement in the same shoulder. Couldn't lift his arm past his, his stomach. Lifting, couldn't lift it at all. I've got his arm up. I've got it moving. It's not to where it needs to be yet, but little by little. We are rebuilding Marcus Bagwell, who's only 48 years old right now. But he's a beat-up 48. So I'm helping rebuild him. And a lot of these people, they get done with their therapy, their rehab, and they go, okay, now you're on your own. It's like, wait a minute. You haven't even really started to rehab him. That's where I come in. So do I think they do extensive rehab? No. I know they don't. I've helped more people with hip replacements or hip surgeries, shoulder surgeries, you know, back surgeries. Like, God forbid you have to go through a back surgery when I could have probably kept you from ever having to have surgery. So, and that's a bold claim, but I've got hundreds and hundreds of people who will tell you the same thing that do my program. Really, thousands. <laughs> and now, thousands. if someone, if someone want, uh, is Buff with you right now? No, uh, but he uh, he actually just had his other shoulder. That was a replacement. He just had um, his other shoulder scoped, and he was he had no strength in it at all. So it's going to be, it's going to be like almost starting over again, but. We're going to be able to heal them way faster in the long run because then I'll have both shoulders that have been worked on, so now I can really rebuild them. So we're filming the whole thing. We're going to make it like a like a, a mini-doc documentary on it, the rebuilding of Buff Bagwell. Um, now if, and, and, go ahead. No, go ahead. If someone wanted to, um, if someone wanted to uh, say, call you up and uh, – wanted to uh, do personal training with you, do you do that? Or is that not something that you that you would want to do or can do? Um, I do it, but I'm really expensive, <laughs> like really expensive. Um, I, I, I end up working with guys like Buff, or if I'm working with Robbie Waller, or I'm working with some of the other guys, I do it for nothing. I do it because, you know, I, I want to see them get their game back on. And, uh, I, I take you know I, I take an interest in them because they're also going to talk about what happened and people are going to see it. So to me, it's like time in on both sides. And uh, mm. you know, I do I teach DDP yoga at the DDP Yoga Performance Center when I'm in town. Like tomorrow uh, on Wednesday, I will be teaching a what I call sweating and swearing class, and it'll be uh, <laughs> up on the app. Because I know a lot of people tell me, man, I love your workouts, but I've cursed at you a number of times, and I'm like, bring it, you know. Uh, um, but I do, I do, I do one-on-one stuff. But like I say, it's just, it, for for my time, I, I can spend it better, you know, working like with bigger groups of people, and 
Yeah, I guess I'll do it, but you don't want to pay that. <laughs> well, what? Uh, well, what do you think you charge the icon for a session? <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> when you get here and you're down in Atlanta, you can call me and and we'll talk about it. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what. You I'll, better I'll be careful, Icon. He might charge you double. He might. I'll give you my autograph. That should be worth at least. Have you Have you ever yeah, Have you ever even left North Dakota? That's my question. I have a few times. <laughs> you have. Okay. I wasn't but, sure on but, that. So. So. So uh, <laughs> yeah. So DD, uh, DDP Yoga. It's it's a it's a great program, and uh, I'll tell you what it. Uh, when I saw what you did with uh, for Jake Roberts and Scott Hall, getting them back in top form, I mean that, I mean that that filled my heart because you know you're helping out your friends, uh, and it's it was really it was really cool to see that. Uh, we uh, we're wondering if we could. Uh, I know I know your time is pressed, uh, but could we uh, switch gears uh, for a little bit and ask you some uh, wrestling questions? Uh, you got about another ten minutes, so hit them. Okay. Uh, everybody knows that. Uh, well, most everybody knows that uh, your first appearance at a at a wrestling uh, big event was WrestleMania six, when you uh, got to drive the uh, the um, the convertible the uh, down to the ring. Why did uh, you not uh, try to go to the WWE at that point, or did they not well, ask you? Or did you not want to do it? No, you wanted. I wanted to do it, but you know they didn't want me. I was nobody then. You know, I was just Diamond Dallas chauffeur. But what's really amazing about that, uh, I was working in the AWA at the time. But what's really amazing about that, if you go WrestleMania six, and then you go eight years later, and that same headline match, Warrior and Hulk Hogan are on the card in MGM Grand in um, Las Vegas, and I am sharing the main event spot with me and Goldberg. It's right there, me me versus Goldberg and Hogan and Warrior. I mean, that's pretty crazy. And then two more years after that, WrestleMania 16, I'm in the same building, and I'm working with Christian uh, for at WrestleMania. So I got to where I needed to go to, and it was an amazing ride. Uh, I'm super thankful to have been able to have been able to enjoy it the way I did. Now, is it true that uh, your next door neighbor? I don't know if he is anymore, but is it true that your next door neighbor is or used to be Eric Bischoff? Back in the day, he was not today. Eric, Eric lives out near your neck of the woods. He lives in Cody, Wyoming. Uh, did uh, did you just buy his house from him, or did you tell him to leave, or what? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so, if uh, you know, you mentioned that uh, you know you still do training and everything with your DDP yoga. If you were asked, would you uh, do any wrestling at all anymore, or are you just done? No. With that? Done. I live that dream, man. Leave that to the young boys. Leave that to the AJ Styles, the Adam Coles, the uh, Drew McIntyre. You know, leave it to the young bucks who uh, can go out there and, you know, throw it down. I'd had my time, man. I, I like sitting back and watching now. 
Now, now um, the, uh, DDB, well, well when, you, when you started, now I started watching WCW you know, as a kid. My aunt, through her parasol business in Florida, knew Hulk Hogan, you know, personally. So she was like, hey, he watches this. And, you know, I'm a little, you know, eight-year-old kid. I'm like, oh, all right, I'm going to watch it. So I, I, started, I started with that before I even knew what WWF was. And, you know, obviously you were a big part of that in 97, 98. Um, your match with Goldberg, actually, at uh, I believe it was Halloween Havoc, he even credits as one of his favorite matches uh, of, of all time. And, and the spear you took was I, I still shudder. Uh, but when you when you came over to WWE, I guess the burning question, and Icon, someone's got to ask it here. Um, when we spoke to Buff, we had Buff Bagwell on the show a little over, I think it was about a year ago or so. Um, he obviously has some ill will towards WWE yeah. for what they what they did to him in terms of, being, of burying him. You were one of the top uh, main event caliber superstars to come over or, or at least one of the first main event caliber superstars to come over in the invasion angle um now i had loved you from when you know when i was a kid when i saw you in wwe at that time i was like yes this is awesome they built you up as this big villain and then you got a crazy pop when you were revealed as the stalker um do you have any ill will towards them for sort of changing your angle around to really kind of putting you on a back burner after no, bringing you in i mean do you you don't have any no, I, towards I, them? You know, or? Not, no, you know, because the bottom line is, you know, it was, it wasn't me personally. It was whoever was coming in there, you know, whoever was going to be part of that beginning. You know, there was no love. <laughs> we almost put them out of business. So, you know, there was no love lost oh, yeah. there for WCW. And, you know, over the last, you know, I look at my last seven years, you know, with WWE, uh, you know, from the very best of Nitro, one, two, and three, um, you know, being able to bring Jake Roberts in on that one, on that one Raw, where it was an old school Raw, they let me do a commercial for DDP Yoga in the back, um, you know, I mean, that, that shut my website down, it was so, there was so much traffic, and it really, thank God it happened, because when we went on Shark Tank, instead of having one server, we had 25 servers. And, you know, mm-hmm. so our website was not going to get shut down. And we did a million dollars in sales in six days. You know, so wow. the WWE, though, if I don't go on WWE, it never happens. Because we don't know that it's going to shut our website down, the traffic. So, you know, them going on and then sneaking Jake out there and and then letting me induct Jake Jake into the Hall of Fame in 2014 and, you know, then bringing me for the Rumble and then bringing me in for, you know, for uh, Mania's biggest show ever of 101,000 people and put me in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal and, I'm the only one they gave music to, besides Big Show and uh, and uh, and uh, Shaq. You know, it was a huge pop, yeah. huge surprise. 101,000 people. It was two days before my 60th birthday, um, and then bringing me in the Hall of Fame last year. I mean, dude, I got nothing but love for the company. Mm. <laughs> you know, I got well, nothing but love. 
for the WWE. Well, guys, Plus, to say oh. something, if I can, I've been sitting here listening sure, to yeah. this amazing person. And, and Diamond Dallas Page, I want to share a story with you, and I don't know if you remember oh, me boy. or not, but I met you, and I've met Jake Roberts, at a company called Traditional Championship Wrestling. They used to run in Arkansas. And you were at a two-day event in Fort Smith, Arkansas, called Tribulation back on January 4th and January 5th of 2013. My son and my husband and I were there. And I go by the name of Granny Holkster. I wear this yellow shirt. I had it on that night and said, Granny Holkster, Queen of TCW. And I remember when Matt Riviera and the golden boy, Greg Anthony, except I call him Golden Girl, they were making fun of your DDP yoga program. And you came out and did the diamond cutter on Golden Girl off the top ring rope, and then you did the diamond cutter to Matt Riviera, and then you walked off with the curls. <laughs> and, I got to hold your, and I got to hold your belt when I met you out in the lobby. Now, I'm still a, a huge fan of wrestling. I still love wrestling. I still go to independent shows. I've met Beth Bagwell a couple of different times, you know, but – I was so excited when I found out you were going to be on this show today. And the icon and Big Swing, they've actually they actually um, asked me a few weeks to go to kind of be a co-host of this show. So I've been helping them out. But I told my husband and son, I said, "Oh, I said I'm going to get to listen to DDP again today because it's been. I mean, you know, TCW quit running in 2013, but." Um, Matt Riviere and a lot of the TCW guys, they're wrestling for a company now called CWA that do a lot of benefit shows down in uh, Maumelle, you know, Little Rock area. You know, they're doing one in Hot Springs May 19th, and Jerry Lawler's going to be there. But it's just an honor to get to hear you again talk and get to, you know, because I'm still – Granny's still hollering at the bad guys just like I was doing back in the day. You know, I've met Jake Roberts through TCW as well. So I'm just, it's an honor and a pleasure for me to get to talk to you again today, sir, because I'm still a big Diamond Dallas page fan. <laughs> Always have been. Well, I appreciate it. I remember that TCW, man. It was, uh, those guys put on a good show. I was surprised. You know, I think if they were around today, they w- would have a, they would have had more luck with the company because it's pretty amazing what's happening with the independent wrestling scene, not just here, but around the world. Um, it's really doing amazing. And the whole new Japan thing with Kenny Omega and now having Cody over there and young bucks and all those guys, you know, uh, there's just a lot of great wrestling that has nothing to do with the WWE. You know, that's, yeah. that's pretty much pretty amazing, but yeah, that's where everybody goes. Because it's funny, I was watching uh, some YouTube's the other day, and you know, and, and you know, the Bullet Club over there in New Japan, they have just they've been stealing. You know, like what you like, New Japan ain't the WWE. It's uh, it's pretty damn good. I think they're doing. They got a, they got a pretty good uh, pretty good uh, fan base right now. Uh, it was really smart of them to start coming over to the states, but. Yeah, slowly by surely, WWE, they'll become a feeder system for for the WWE, and those guys become the top big stars. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – I actually remember that, Granny. So, uh, uh, good to talk to you again. <laughs> well, do you, <laughs> you, know, do, you re, do you remember Barrett Brown that wrestled for TCW? He actually has yeah, been on WWE a different couple times. 
Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, guys, one more question. I'm gone. One more question. I'm out of here. All right. uh, Well, before we do that, uh, can you do a quick promo for us? (laughs) All right. What am I promoing? All right. Basically, you'll say, hey, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. I got that part down. What's the call letter? (laughs) You're listening to the the Attitude Air Live with the Icon and the Big Swing and Granny Hawkster. Then you can say whatever else you want. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. wait. Slow down. Slow down. I'm listening to what? The Attitude Air Live. He's so excited. Wait a minute. The Attitude Air Live? Era Live. Era. Oh, the Attitude Era Live. Okay. With the Icon. Wait a minute. The attitude. I'm writing it down, dude, because I'm not gonna. Sure. Attitude era, because your 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 shit's too long. Era live. With the icon. With the icon. The big swing. Big swing. And Granny Holster. I got that part. Okay. Yeah, and then, All right. Right. And then we can get up out of here. That'd be I'll great, start though. Start from five, and then uh, we'll do it. Ready? Five. All right. Four. Three. Two, one. Yo, monkeys, it's me, DDP. That's right, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time world champion, WWE Hall of Famer, and founder and CEO of DDP Yoga. And you, monkey, well, you, you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the icon. Big swing and my favorite granny, the very hoaxer. Stay tuned, monkeys, because that's not a bad thing. That's it's a good thing. Bang! You know, awesome. I was right about to say that. If if if, if he didn't say that was a awesome. bad thing, I was about to say it afterwards. So that was awesome. that was that's it. And and I'll tell you what, I'm I got goosebumps. So I'm I'm good, man. Hey, I got. If you're good, I'm good. DDP's good. Hey, right, guys. We, Good talking to you. Got a red, kids. See ya. Take care, Diamond Dallas Page. Self high five. Yo, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. a genuine guy too and it's funny because like his his character really uh portrayed and incorporated uh everything that he is too he was the same on camera as, as he is uh in person with us and um you know I, I knew that most of what we were talking about would be the ddp yoga uh which i'm totally fine with i'm actually going to try it myself uh for anybody out there that's listening ddpyoga.com go check it out a lot of great programs on there uh, I actually just, as we were talking to him, just purchased a T-shirt. 
uh, from the website, and uh, I'm actually going to uh, start the program here pretty soon because I'm one of those guys like DDP that wouldn't be caught dead well, doing yoga, and and I'm I'm gonna do his. So it, it, it's going to be good uh, good times, and uh, looking forward to seeing the results. Well, you know, uh, we uh, uh, I thought we were going to have him on for a full hour, but, uh, you know, it's, it's EDP. So uh, I was going to press the issue, really. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you. And uh, as long as we're waiting for our next guest, he's not, our next guest is scheduled until 530. So we uh, will basically, if... Uh, uh, I know that Granny Hawks has got a meeting and everything, but uh, she'll stay on with us as long as she can. Uh, then we'll take it the rest of the way. But uh, sure, you know, well, uh, I'm going to have to check out the recipe. I'm going to have to check out the recipes, but I may check that out. You know, because I've had both of my knees replaced. You know, over the you know past several years, and maybe there might be something I might be able to do that wouldn't be too strenuous on Granny, where I could. You know, maybe get a little bit healthier here. You know, Granny wants to be around a little bit longer, but I'm, I'm, I want to check out some of the recipes. You know, I'm thinking that's that would be awesome. Well, we'll have to bring you up here. We'll have you make some. We'll, we'll have you make some recipes, and we'll give it away to our fans. You know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Well, that sounds like fun. So, of course, I'm probably not as good a cook as DDP is, but you know, I try my best. I like to experiment. When I cook, you know, I like to make different things and, you know, so I have a really good, I have a friend that makes this recipe. It's called um, cowboy caviar, but she calls it archie caviar, but it's basically, it's got like black beans and avocado and rotel and green peppers and onions and green chilies and white shoe-paid corn and um, Italian dressing and tomatoes, and you just mix it all up and you chill it and you can serve it with chips, but I like to eat it just by itself. I like to eat it on top of lettuce and make like a little healthy salad out of it when it's really hot outside. It's really good. I love it. So it's pretty awesome. So Yeah, you know, wouldn't that be great, though, if uh, the uh, if uh, DDP names a dish after the Icon, Icon pizza rolls, then wouldn't that be something? <laughs> well, How about he could this? name something. He, 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 could, he could give he could give he could give a recipe with Granny's name, you know. So yeah, since Attitude I'm his favorite Granny, alive, so. Addison, you're alive, salsa. How about that? Hey, that would be all right. So uh, yeah, so like I say, uh, I'm gonna try and get the guest on earlier, but um, uh, and I don't want to make this sound like an ego uh, trip, as it kind of is. But you know, and I've mentioned this before, uh, you know, that getting DDP, I hate to say it, but that was all me. That was all me. You know? Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I do got to. Uh, I do have to uh uh um a guy I don't know uh he uh he uh he saw uh, one of our posts for a guest that we uh we had uh and he listened to the show and he wouldn't call in. He uh he would rather, you know, insult me through messenger. You know? What did he say? Well, he said uh you know, you got kind of an ego because uh you know, you make it sound like you make it sound like uh, it's it's your 
you're the whole show or the whole show is just you and, you know, you got not really. there that make where I said, no, no, it's not my show. It's our show. We all, we all work together to make it work. So to clear well, that up, I do not. Well, the way I look at it, yeah. Icon, is you are, you are a, a character. I mean, look at, okay. When Kevin Owens, I know you have your feelings about Kevin Owens, but when Kevin Owens was calling Raw first, but then mostly SmackDown, was calling it the Kevin Owens show, did he really feel like, I mean, in character, sure, maybe he did, but did anybody really think, oh, hey, Kevin Owens thinks WWE is his? No, it's a character that he was running, a character that he was portraying, and... That's that's really what you are. I mean, you flip the switch, and you know you've got Scott Helmreth, and then you've got the icon, and it's it's actually perfect for a wrestling show because that's exactly what it is, like a wrestling character. And it's you know call it a heel, call it a face, call it a tweener, whatever whatever people interpret you as being, um, you are a separate entity. When the icon comes on the microphone instead of, you know, uh, instead of just being <laughs> him. So, like, for me, I have to I have to use a sense of professionalism from, you know, my radio background. Uh, I can't necessarily say things, especially since we are, you know, covered in the in the um, in the in the radio, the actual FM radio. Uh, playback, I can't have a certain character aspect because it would then affect, you know, my sports talk show and it would affect different things because then people would be like, hey, do the voice to be the character. And, you know, ESPN wouldn't want any of that. So for me, it's different. But for you, you can be a character. That's really the thing. I mean, the icon is is a persona. So for them to, for them to, to, to take that angle, it just really kind of means that, I, in my opinion, they don't really understand wrestling. They don't understand the business of wrestling. And they don't understand that, you know, there are characters within the wrestling thing. You know, I mean, even Granny Holster can be a character in certain regards. I mean, she's got, you know, the yellow shirt. She's got her her spiel that she does where she gives hell to the, to the heels and the bad guys and whatnot. And that's all part of the thing you know it's all part of it and that's my gimmick that's my gimmick exactly gimmick did did you think if jim ross came on our show uh he would be screaming the whole time like my god i'm on the attitude hour live what is going on no that was his thing on the air and so it's 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 different so that's why uh whoever this dude is i mean again he's welcome to call in if he wants to discuss it a little bit um but he he's obviously doesn't understand the business and and uh what wrestling is and and, and what the characters in wrestling are and what they personify. Well, so that's you why know, I'm not you, super it, worried about you you bring that you bring a very good point up either a big swing, you know, because like I said, I, I I've had actually people come up and ask me if I am a wrestler and I'm like, No, I'm just a fan. Huh. I am just strictly a fan, period. Okay, that being said I've been around long enough to see, you know, I mean, I kind of know what goes on. I don't know everything. I don't claim to know everything. I don't want to know everything. I enjoy doing what I do. I enjoy going to the shows and making it fun 
for the other fans to get involved because some people like they they go to a show and they're like they're afraid to holler because they don't want to make a fool of themselves or or they don't want to you know or they're you know they're thinking that oh god everybody's gonna think I'm crazy you know so I just tell them you know I say hey watch me I can show you who to cheer for who to boo for you know whatever I I try to make it fun for everybody you know now that also being said you know. Yeah, yeah, I know what I mean. I know how this business works. I don't want to be a promoter. I've I've asked people. I've had people ask me, "Oh, would you help me? You know, we can't. You know, if you had the opportunity, would you be a promoter?" I'm like, "No, I do not want to do that part of the business. Let me be a fan. Let me do what I enjoy doing." Yeah, I know how it works. You know, I mean, I've been to a few seminars different times i've seen you know what goes on at you know different seminars a couple different times that i've been at you know and the person that was doing the seminar they're like you know they're telling the guys you know how to you know work their characters kind of like what mr hughes was talking about last night you know how to work your you know when he was training him you know how to work your character how to build your storyline whatever you know i had this person you know they're like you know he was saying you know you know Go to go to Granny. Use her as your goal. You know, piss her off, make her mad. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh yeah. wow, thanks. You know, <laughs> I was like, you know, oh wow, you know. But, but it's just, you know, it, it. And and you're right. There are people that do not understand the business. There's there's people that don't understand. You know, that somebody may be listening for a first time. You know, they're listening to this conversation. And they don't know the icon, they don't know me, they don't know you. But, you know, they're going to think, oh, yeah, that that person's you know, has a really big ego about themselves. You know, it's all about, he's making it all about himself. No, it's not. You know, and you, you put it very, I thought you put it very well. You had a very valid point. You you put it very well, so. Yeah, well, uh, real quick here, guys. Uh, well, we're waiting for our next guest. Uh, we got, well, we got about 25 minutes to kill or so, but, uh uh, I just want to thank our sponsors, too, uh, real quick. Uh, we got uh, Big Nick Sports Cards, 3902, 13th Avenue South, Florida, North Dakota, 701-277-1989. Uh, for the latest in gaming cards, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon. Uh, if you're looking for that uh, uh, that uh, great NFL new rookie card, if your team signed a uh, free agent, uh, if your team drafted a great up-and-coming star, you want the latest in rookie cards, see Big Nick, uh, baseball, basketball, hockey, you name it. Uh, and he's got some great sportsman memorabilia down there, too, that you can buy. He's got some uh, shirts. He's got everything. Go uh, go, uh, go see Big Nick Sports Cards down there at uh, the basement of the uh, West uh, Acre Shopping Center. Uh, we also want to thank MPX Fitness, uh, 3955, 14th Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 701 uh, That's Mariah Prussia. She owns that. Uh, uh, and uh, she's going to be working out the invaders uh, tonight, as a matter of fact. Uh, go check that out if you want something cool there. Uh, call and Guitar Man Kramer. Uh, 612-360-7021. Uh, if you need a piece of music laid down, if you're looking for a track, if you're looking for a song, you're looking for a beat, call and Guitar Man Kramer is the guy. Uh, Icon Enterprises, 701-205-8784. You want to be a guest on the show? You want to advertise on the show? Call Icon Enterprises. And finally, Tiny K Photography, 
uh, Beauty Mart's uh, 24827, 119th Avenue South, uh, Fergus Falls, Minnesota, 218-731-2276. And finally, the best in wrestling photography, Rice McCain Photography, 270-775-2306. If you're a wrestler and you need some uh, action shots from the ringside, give her a call. She'll she'll definitely hook you up without without uh, without question. Give her a call. So there you go. Those are our advertisers for now. And, and uh, as well as is you know we have to shout out Connected School of Broadcasting as well, uh, just because you know they are on eight sixty Birds Eye Road in Farmington, Connecticut. Uh, they also have several campuses around the Northeast that you can check out. Um, now, for me, I kind of—it's actually kind of funny because going back to your previous uh, comment regarding this dude, um, they don't—you know—people don't often hear about, you know, or don't often hear the side of somebody that that they know, and and that leads me to believe. So it leads me to come into this point. Um, when DDP was on with us, DDP is the same, talking to him, the same energy, the same sayings, the same swag as he had, you know, on the air. Uh, uh, when he was on, on TV and WCW, um, it, it's the same guy. With you, obviously, you know, talking to you on the phone, obviously you're energetic about a lot of things, but, you know, you're different. The icon, you're actually a humble dude. You're actually, you know, somewhat emotional. You're actually, you know, a nice guy. So, for me, I'm wondering, is there anybody right now that you think would, do you think that any that, that there's anybody out uh, on, in WCW, or WCW, geez, I got that stuck in my head, in WWE right now that, is themselves, or do you think that a lot of them are characters? Well, uh, I think really they're, uh, the one guy that I do believe that he is himself would be Shane McMahon. I think Shane McMahon's like that all the time. You do? Okay. Okay. You see, sure, I that, think that, as that, much as you probably me, wouldn't but... want him on the show, I would go ahead and I would imagine that. Um, I would imagine Kevin Owens is very much the same, as well as AJ Styles. I also think that John Cena uh, is the kind of guy who's who's um, the same as well. Um, but you know, I just—it's it, funny. I didn't realize how long it was. I was going to play a little something um, for you guys, uh, but I didn't realize it was. Well, we got time. Quite the length of clip. Oh yeah, but it has well, nothing to do time. with wrestling. So yeah, it's nothing really to do with wrestling though. So. It was more the fact of, you know, the Jim Ross point that I had brought up about, you know, how Jim Ross is always constantly, you know, you know, you've heard him in clips. You know, that guy, where he's where he's freaking out. Um, when I decided I wanted to do play by play. You know, I, I uh, you know, was deeply ingrained in the sports aspect of things. And I I remember, and now, uh, Granny, I know that you're, you know, living out in Arkansas. I know you have your teams that you like and, and whatnot out that way. Um, but one of the in, in influential things for me was obviously JR, but was obviously this as well. So I guess if this thing comes up short, he can field it and run it out. All right, here we go. 
56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. Oh, my God. Auburn wins. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl in the most unbelievable fashion you will ever see. I cannot believe it. 34-28. And we thought a miracle at Jordan-Hare was amazing. Oh, my Lord in heaven. Chris Davis just read it. 109 yards. And Auburn is going to the championship game. So that was a radio clip that I had heard uh, when I was watching, you know, I was listening to the game, driving home, and I guess that leads me into the question of saying, if somebody like Jim Ross or, you know, that guy, if, if there was excitement, if there was energy like that from the commentary team now with the roster that they had, Which do you is think not, WWE not. would be... No, exactly. Do you think that there would be better you know, better ratings, better uh, reception among the fans? Do you think that WWE wouldn't be getting as critically panned as they are right now? Or do you think that somebody like Jim Ross or somebody that has the same kind of energy as we just heard uh, about what they're seeing, uh, do you think somebody like that could potentially save WWE? Well, I, I, you know, I, the, the audio com, the, the commentary definitely needs to get better. There's no question about that. I mean, you know, I grew up listening to uh, Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura and uh, Gorilla yes. Monsoon, you know. I grew up listening to those guys, you know. And uh, when uh, Jesse Ventura stopped doing commentary, you know, then it became uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Then they broke up and split. And then I didn't think I'd ever hear anything again. And then they brought in Jerry Lawler. And then they brought in Jim Ross. And uh, I'm like, I was always thinking, whenever I would hear Jim Ross, I'm like going, geez, I hope he he can stay on forever, you know? Well, how, how, do you, how, did you, how did you feel about McMahon as a commentator? I like McMahon as a commentator, you know? I mean, he would always, uh, he always would throw in, like, little snide comments that people wouldn't catch, but I always would catch him, you know? He'd, like, say the wrong well, yeah, name. Well, yeah, he's a guy. Yeah. You know, and, well, of course, what, back what, in the what day. What turned me on? Well, what turned me on to McMahon as a commentator was obviously this. It's all over! Now we'll come to Tombstone! No. So basically, it's a long clip, and it's not the best audio quality, but for McMahon 
freaking out the way that he did when Kane debuted, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we don't even have anything like that anymore anyway. We have Michael Cole, who I never was a big fan of. I, I liked Michael Cole when um, when, he was, when he was paired with JR uh, during you know the invasion when Austin comes back and it's the old Stone Cold and yada, yada. But he had to almost elevate his game to compete with JR. Right now, Michael Cole is the top guy. And when people got to elevate their game to compete with him, um, it just kind of shows you, nah, it's commentary is not where it needs to be. I mean, Corey Graves, Corey Graves, uh, is is that heel commentator that is, you know, sort of he makes a lot of the snide remarks and he he's kind of the kind of the douche of the whole thing, which I like, but it it, it almost feels like to me that they have pulled the reins on him a little bit, that that, that they have. Um, tailored him back, dialed him back a bit, uh, which I, I don't think is, is a good thing either. I think for him to be full-on heel commentator would be so much better uh, for, for what he can bring to the table. Right. Of course, you know, there, there is one commentator that I've always bottled uh, uh, myself after. I don't even know if you have it. Uh, you still have a clip stored in your... Uh, but uh, Paul Allen I've always thought of myself. Is he, after. is he the Vikings guy? Yep, he is. I, you know, I had it, but I needed to, I needed to free up some space, so I don't, I don't have the Minneapolis Miracle in here right now. Uh, I'm sure I could get it pretty quickly, but I, I don't have it in here right now. Um, I do, however, uh, I do have this one, and uh, this, I know this is one of Granny's favorites. Touchdown Raiders! Personally, 
I, I think Jim Ross could make damn near anything exciting. I really do. I, I really think that one of the things that WWE is lacking is, you know, is the commentary because there's no, there's no real proof behind this statement. But I really feel that there there were times on the WWF roster throughout the late '90s and early 2000s that they weren't exactly stacked either. They had one or two guys that basically ran the show. I mean, you know, they had The Rock, Stone Cold. Uh, you know, Undertaker when he was back, but then it had a lot of mid-card fluff underneath that. But Jim Ross was able to make those guys sound interesting. It was able to make them get over, uh, in a sense. Uh, Cornette was very good at that as well. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't feel like it's necessarily a talent thing. Uh, I feel like it is a a broadcasting thing. Uh, but but again, that's just me coming from the broadcast industry. Um, and another thing too, and, and I'll get your take on this before we have the other caller call him. Roman Reigns and his failure to get over. Okay, do you? Th- I, we've been blaming booking. We've been blaming WWE creative for forcing him down our throats. But there are a lot of guys who they've tried to push on us. Uh, who you know, I I never thought that I would enjoy, but I did. And eventually, they did get big. There are certain superstars that can overcome fans' negativity. You know, there are certain superstars who are just so electric on the mic or so great in the ring that despite maybe us not liking them, we have to kind of take a step back and say, damn, you know, that guy or that girl uh, is, is that good. And I think Roman Reigns doesn't have the ability to overcome the negativity that's that's surrounding him right now. He is very lackluster on the microphone. His matches are are pretty bland and and, and boring, and he he pretty much does the same thing every time. So do you really feel like this is not – this is transitioning not necessarily from a booking and creative issue, but sort of transitioning into a Roman Reigns issue? Well, you know – it goes back to what we said long ago, how, you know, they, they try to tell us that this is gonna this is the guy and this is who we want you to cheer for and fans didn't like it and they didn't go for it. Uh and I just got notification that our uh, our guest should be calling in shortly. But uh it's yeah, fine. I don't I don't know. It's I mean, you know what they should do? This would be the perfect thing. Make John Cena and Roman Reigns a tag team and make them heels. Hmm. See if they can make that work. Well, well, I mean, Cena's basically done at this point. Um, you know, Cena, Cena's, Cena's focusing on his movie career, uh, kind of like The Rock did, and, and and some of those guys. But um, I don't even think necessarily Roman Reigns. Uh, I mean, excuse me. Yeah, I don't even necessarily think Cena could help Roman Reigns because, yeah, you could make Cena heel, but I just I don't I don't see Cena as an actual heel. I see Cena as a heel in, in, in regards to the fans being, you know, over him, fans booing him because they're sick of him kind of a thing. But I don't see his personality. I just don't think John Cena and his 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 pretty boy look and his persona could be a heel. In fact, I, I actually loved, 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 loved when AJ Styles was a heel in TNA. 
uh, or in Impact Wrestling, whatever they were going by at the time. I think he's got the look where he could be a heel. Um, I think, you know, guys like Kevin Owens, perfect heel look. Sami Zayn, I think, even has a little bit of a heel look. But John Cena, I think, is at this point to, to do a heel turn. I mean, he should have done a heel turn five years ago. I think the, the, Cena, the Cena timetable, Father Time has run out on John Cena. But for well, some of these younger guys, heel, hell, why not? He started out as a heel, though. Uh, sort of, yeah, but he but but he started off as as you know a um a just kind of this punk kid who would come in and interrupt guys and things like that, and and you know his whole rapper persona, he wasn't necessarily a heel because he was he was still getting pops. Okay, I, I mean I'm talking about the full on you know booed every time he comes to the ring kind of a guy uh, that you know like for instance. The Miz, perfect heel. Yes, he's annoying. Yes, I hate him. Yes, yes, he's, you know, I, I hate his hair. I hate his stupid facial expressions. You know, I, I hate what he says on the microphone. But he, he does his job perfectly as a heel. Same the Miz. Kevin Owens. Yeah, oh, yeah Kevin the Miz. Owens. Same thing with well, well, Miz and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, too. You hate everything about him. You hate his roly-poly stature, his stupid spiky hair, his his... You know, you know what eating grin that he does all the time. His, I don't even like his beard. Okay, but he does. I don't like perfect, Kevin Owens. But 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 by all three of us either. not liking Kevin Owens. Yeah, but by all three of us not liking Kevin Owens, don't you agree that he's a perfect heel? He's doing his job as a heel. Because a heel well, is I, supposed I to make you not like him. Yeah, well, I, and that's I just exactly what he's doing. Canadian. I just think he's a Canadian bastard, but anyway, that's just me. But, but, <laughs> well, guys, but that, I'm going to get what, off here because i got to get ready to go to my meeting, but I will talk to yeah, you no guys problem. next Monday, Monday. night, See and I'm yep, looking definitely. forward to that show. So have a good weekend, guys. Good. You as right. well. Talk to you later. You as well. All right. All right. All so right, Granny Hoekster, we, uh, we, we got to get her – uh, some theme music, some play, you know, player off music type of thing. Um, I'm thinking maybe like Sable's, you know, Sable's uh, cat music or whatever. That that'd be pretty cool to play her off with. Right. But I don't know, or or possibly possibly maybe this. Yeah, see, see, she would hate that. She she hates the heel. So I I, I just love to mess with her because she gets so riled up. Um, we do have our other caller on the line here, Icon. So I will let you do your thing, um, and your special introduction that you do, and we will talk to them for a little bit, and then we will uh, wrap up the special show. So we got DDP, and now we had our newest guest. Ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room, our second combatant of the afternoon. This guy brings new meaning to the word, the toy, at Christmas time. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you, without further ado, my first childhood actor hero. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the double S. He is Scott Schwartz. Hey, man. Hey, hey. How you doing? Hey, everybody. Listen, I was listening. I mean, why don't we have, like, the Kevin Owens marshmallow eating contest? Well, <laughs> you, you, well you know what's funny is is because we don't 
with the staff that we have for the wrestling show um, right now, it's still small. It's me, Icon, and I guess now Granny Hulkster is a mainstay. Uh, we don't have the staff for it. For my sports radio show, we actually do have a segment kind of like that where uh, Joe, this guy Joe, we, we just pick on him because he's a Patriots fan, and we make him eat weird stuff. And, and, and it's a Joe eats weird, and it's you know bleeped out. Um, after that, and yeah, so I would love something like that, but I just don't know if we have the uh, the manpower to do it. And getting Icon to eat something really weird, uh, I don't know if he would exactly do that. But but yeah, no, no, Kevin, Kevin would love it. Listen, I'm an old wrestling guy, so throw it at me, boys. Come on. Well, I'll tell you what, we got to do this real quick. You know, everybody talks about the the ten stages of Kevin Bacon. How you can link Kevin Bacon to everybody. Well, I Two. tried to do that yeah. to you. I didn't get it done. One. But here, here's what I came up with. Uh, Richard Pryor to Scott Schwartz. Scott Schwartz to Jenna Jameson. Jenna Jameson to Val Venus. Val Venus to the WWE. Okay. Well, how about Scott Schwartz was on Howard Stern. Howard Stern, WWE. I mean, we could go that way, too. Oh, there you go. Because, now you did do a movie with Jenna Jameson, did you not? Yeah, I did a uh, – uh, I was her agent or the the, the – prom- uh, what the hell was it? Studio executive in uh, Silver Screen Confidential. So we yeah, actually had a phone – we had a fake phone conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we want to kind of introduce you a little bit. Uh, uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong on the timeline, but your first movie ever was a movie called The Toy – with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, i got to ask you, then we'll go into your next movie. We're not going to go through your entire catalog, even though I celebrate your entire catalog. What is it like being on the set every day with Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor? What was that like? A hell of a lot of fun. I mean, Richard, Richard had no filter. Richard treated me as if I was an adult from the day I met him. Uh, Jackie Gleason, much more professional, but I was fortunate that we had a lot of downtime, and we were at the plantation house in Louisiana, and he actually taught me how to shoot pool. And he was really good and kind to me in sharing stories and experiences. So I had a blast. Now, is it true, though, that uh, you uh, you sometimes did have a little uh, issues with Jackie uh, in ad-libbing and stuff? Just the first day. Just the very first day of shooting. After that, I was fine. I, I, I mean, I grew up doing commercials and Broadway and off-Broadway, so everybody followed, you know, the lines that were in a script, and he didn't do that. Nobody told me that in advance. So the first day, he threw me for a loop, and then – between talking to the producer, the director, Richard Pryor, my dad, I caught on pretty quick. Now, uh, in that movie, uh, um, I do want to spend a little time on it because uh, we got we got some time with you, uh, and I know that uh, you know you're on a time crunch, but I we, we got to get these out here because we no, I'm good, brother. Let's go. I'm good. Awesome. So now, in that movie, you had. A stepmother in that movie that, I mean, I have my own mom. Of course, if I had to have a stepmom, she would be the stepmom I'd like to have. What was it like working with her? Uh, Teresa Ganzel, who played Fancy Bates, she was just an absolute sweetheart. She was a great lady. 
Uh, I'm still friends with her to this day. She she was on the Carson show. I mean, she did probably 40 TV shows and all different things and could not have picked a sweeter woman. And uh, for those of you who don't know who she is, she's actually more famous for her chestal area than and her voice, if anything. Well, sure, because she played the assistant that Johnny Carson used to bring out, the ditzy blonde, and they all had to be busty, and that's what they were. Oh, okay. Okay. No, yeah, no. Um, she was she was wonderful. Wonderful to look at. Even though I was pre puberty, I mean there was a nice lady with large breasts and hey, let's have fun. Right. <laughs> now, because uh, in that in that movie, uh you got to do a few things that uh I would like to do. Uh a couple things that were dangerous. Now, how how many takes did you get to throw fireworks? At Richard Pryor. Uh, I don't know, five, six, but the ones I was throwing weren't even real. They were fake. Oh. They didn't want me to have. They didn't want me to have fireworks in my hand, so they just made up a little fake thing. And then the reverse angle, when you see it in reverse, it's like I'm throwing fireworks. Oh, okay. You also, uh, you also got to uh, dump stuff on Richard Pryor's head as well. What was that like? Uh, again, I, I wish uh, you know I could tell you it was me, but actually, me pulling the cord was not even attached to anything, and then there was just a bucket over, and they dumped it on him. Oh, the oatmeal, the oatmeal. While it was funny, it was a real pain in the behind to get it out of the hair. To get it out of your hair just was not fun. Oh, I bet. Yeah, because he, yeah, he dumped it on you, didn't he? Absolutely, we we dumped it on each other. Okay. Now, that, that kind of says me because I thought that was real, but what the hell? I want to go for this because, you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch that movie. I used you know, during the summertime, I would watch that movie every single day. I wore out the VHS when it came out on DVD. You can't wear out a DVD, but, you know. There, uh, now, you got to tell us about the set, you know, your, your room. That you had in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the toys and what? games and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, you spent uh, a lot of time it was. There? A, oh, I spent a ton of time in there. Whenever they were shooting around, I'd always be doing something. And then when they were actually shooting, and you couldn't make any noise, I couldn't do anything. But uh, my two favorite things were the the pinball machine, the haunted mansion pinball machine, and then they had that little basketball hoop. And I've always been a basketball guy. And I spent hours playing those things, man. How about that uh, boxing thing? That was fake. The the my stunt double, whose name is Bobby Porter, he also doubled Annie uh, in the movie Annie, doubled in Eileen Quinn. Uh, he was actually just sitting in there, and he just kind of moved the arms. That was that was not a real machine. Sorry to blow your oh, really? your bubble here. Oh man, I want to. You know, no wonder why I can't find one of those on eBay anywhere because it wasn't real. It was not real. <laughs> oh, but you you, you just you just blew his fun. mind. I know I did. Yeah. Well, most of the stuff in that room was real, though, like your train set, right? Or was that fake? Oh, the train. The sure, the trains were real. The pinball machines, the arcade games. Uh, you know, the sort of that second deck for the Ford thing that they built. I mean, all that stuff was real. But, uh, you know, you're picking the one thing that wasn't. What are you going to do? 
Yeah. How about the pissing dogs? Oh, <laughs> motorized. They just, Icon, they just you, created it. Leave it up to Icon to like the things that, that aren't real and, and be disappointed when you can't have them. Um, that's, so what, that's, that's, that's what so movie magic is. what movie magic is all about. <laughs> and well, so, speaking of, speak, go ahead. A movie, ma- well, I was gonna say magic. Movie magic. That the movie that I've uh, known Scott from um, the most when I was a kid and still watch it every November, December when they air it, is obviously a Christmas store. Um, now, that movie has become an instant, instant cl- uh, classic. I mean, overnight, it's become sort of a staple of the holiday season. Uh, obviously, you know, for those of you who may not know, who are listening live or listen to this in playback, uh, he's the one who got his tongue stuck to the frozen flagpole. Um, what, uh, in that scene, and I'm going to ask real or fake again, did you actually have to stick your tongue to the flagpole for the scene to make it real? Or was that more of that cinematic? Well, uh, sort of, but not really. There's a real flagpole okay. there, but they had put a piece of plastic over it with a hole about the okay. size of your pinky nail with a suction tube that led into the snow into a motor. So think of a vacuum oh. cleaner with an opening the size of your pinky nail. So it just stuck there. You know, it didn't hurt, nothing oh, like no. that. They can't do that stuff, man. They got child labor laws, you know. But what was <laughs> yeah, that's true. the worst part of the worst part of it was the weather. It was twenty to twenty five below zero. So you're out there for six, eight, ten, twelve hours. You go in a car, you get warmed up for a minute, you come back out. It was the frozen tundra. I mean there was no fun in that at all. Now, when well, you were uh, when you were um, when you were uh, doing that movie, uh, did they did they pick you because they saw you in the Toy Story? Or did you try out for it, or how did that come about? I had the easiest audition of anybody in the film. Uh, I had just finished another film called Kid Co. from 20th Century Fox, and the toy mm-hmm. had just opened in the theaters. And Bob Clark was on his last round of auditions. The character he liked me, so he called me in. I went to the audition. We sat and, and shot the, the bull for 15 minutes, and Bob says, you know, I've been doing this all day. I'm kind of hungry. You want to go for a hot dog? I said, sure. We were in Manhattan in New York. Went outside, me and my dad and Bob, had a hot dog and a, and a Yoo-Hoo. We talked for a few minutes, went upstairs. He said, listen, i got to tell you, it's nice to meet you. I said, thank you. You too, you as well. Take care. I walked out, walked up to my agent's office seven blocks up. He had already called. I got the movie. That was it. He just wanted yep. to see my personality. Now, for people that don't know, uh, Bob Clark, uh, I think he's still alive, I do believe. No. He's not. Okay. No, Bob, now, Bob left us a while back. He unfortunately was uh, hit by an illegal alien drunk driver on Pacific Coast Highway a while back. Him and his son ooh. passed away in, in, the, in a motor vehicle accident. Now, for, for those of you, and correct uh, no me if I'm wrong, but Bob Clark also did a movie called Porky. Yeah, completely the opposite. The complete opposite of a Christmas story. Listen, Bob, Bob's career and what he impacted, people have never given him credit for. You know, um, he did the film with Margot Kidder. uh, uh, Oh my, uh, White Christmas. Okay, in 1974, and White Christmas was ended up being 
one of the favorite films of John Carpenter's, and John Carpenter and Bob started creating a movie called Halloween. Bob ended up doing some other things, and John went on to create Halloween that came out of Black Christmas. Like, don't, uh, 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 oh my goodness, uh, the phone call thing. I can't think of the name of the film now. Oh my God. Uh, when a Stranger Calls, that came out of Bob Clark's creation of Black Christmas. Then Bob okay. does Porky's, and it became the TNA teenage pictures that were before Fast Times at Ridgemont High and before those types of films. So there, were, there are many, many filmmakers who will tell you Bob Clark is the guy that created the genre of this. And, of course, then he does Christmas Story, which was completely different to ever, anything he ever did, but was the film that he always wanted to do and always wanted to make. Now, when you, uh, when you were on set, and uh, then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ask this question. I'll come back and ask another question. Uh, when you were on set, now you guys, I'm, I'm assuming, were all the best of friends because that's the way it was portrayed in the movie. Now, you guys all got along, or was there any animosity between any of you guys? I'm just kind of curious. Mm. No, Bob was, Bob was extremely uh, intelligent and weird at the same time. I hung out with Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie, a little bit with the kid that played Schwartz, R.D., a little bit, not too much, with the kid that played Ian, the little brother. We were not allowed to hang out with the bullies. Scott Farkas and Grover Dill, he actually wanted us to fear them. So we were kept away from them. And it wasn't until after the film that we all became friends. Now, when you, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, well, the character's name was Schwartz. Did they give him that name because of your last name? No, no, it's actually written in the book, um, you know, that, that Gene Shepard did. Uh, in God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash, the short story that he did, there's a character, Schwartz, there's a character named Flick. And then tell me, tell you something, it was a lot of fun when they go, Schwartz, and I'd go, yeah, they go, no, no, not you, Schwartz, the other Schwartz. Oh, <laughs> now, hmm. you, got, you got to meet uh, Mr. Shepard, too, didn't you? Yes, I did get to meet Gene Shepard several times. He, he was interested in Ralphie. Because that was that was his character, that was his his guy. He was not worried about the characters of Flick or, or Grover Dill or Scott Farkas. He worried about Ralphie. So I got to talk to him a few times, but you know, he was a nice man, extremely intelligent, a master of the English language. If you handed him pen, he could describe it for a half an hour. Kind of like Jim Ross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. In a way, yeah. You know, it, yes, Jim you know, Ross is a master, and as is Gene Shepard. Right now, you got you know you got to work with a lot of uh, cool directors, Bob Clark, uh, and you also got to work with, of course, Richard Donner on your first film, The Toy, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, who did the Goonies and uh, who did the uh, the Superman movie. One thing I could never figure out because it was a Richard Donner movie: why you guys were wearing Spider-Man pajamas instead of Superman pajamas. Uh, you know, I think it was uh, a studio thing with Columbia Sony because I think they had this, the Spider-Man property. But his, Dick Donner's sort of goof on them, uh, there's a scene in the playroom where Richard and I are talking, and I actually walk to camera, and I reach under the camera, and I pull back, and I've got a Superman comic book. Okay. And there, that there was, was also that was Dick Donner's little thing. 
Yeah, there's also a line in the movie where you and Richard Pryor, he would just got uh, got a job from offered a job from Jackie Gleason, and he said, "What am I going to do? Starve? The truth, justice, the American way just doesn't work for me, man." Exactly. You know. Now, of oh, all the they had fun. They 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 had fun with the whole thing. Now, of all the movies that you've done and all the characters that you play, what was your all-time favorite character? Uh, you know, probably Dickie Cessna, which was my character in Kidco, because I was very much like that as a kid before I did the film. You know, very entrepreneurial. You know, uh, I, I had a golf course down the street from my old house in New Jersey, and I used to go down there in the summertime and go in the woods and dig out the golf balls, and I had a lemonade stand, and I would sell the balls for 50 cents back to the golfers and lemonade for a dollar. And Dickie Cessna did a lot of that. You know, so I had a, a lot in common with the character, and it, and it made it a lot of fun for me. Uh, you know, I was the star of the film. I'm in 98% of the scenes, and it flowed very easily for me, and I had a lot of fun doing it. Now, uh, Kid Code, uh, is, is, is that available on DVD yet or not? Mm-hmm. Yes, they did make it available on DVD now. You know, it's a fun kids movie. It's not a blockbuster. There's no CGI effects. It's none of that. It's just a, it's like, you know, just a fun movie for kids to watch. Now, you know, back to, uh, would you say that it was the, you get more notoriety from the toy, from Kidco, or from the Christmas story? What do you, would you say you get most of your notoriety from? Listen, it's kind of obvious, you know, 54 million homes a year turn into, the 24-hour marathon of a Christmas story. It's become an iconic film, you know, and the character that I did was an iconic character. People say basically the three things in the film they remember the most is the kid stuck on the pole, the leg lamp, and Pink Nightmare, you know, the bunny, the bunny outfit. Yeah, they got the BB gun, but those are kind of the three things, and you can switch them interchangeable any way you want. You know, so do, do to, be, to, to be that iconic guy... You know, it, it's pretty cool. It's 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 what you want to leave behind. I've left behind a legacy of something that pe- that's endearing to people that they love and they can enjoy. Now, do you ever, well? Do you ever uh, do you ever get people uh, asking you about the film, or uh, do, you, do you still live it up? As a youngster, about the time I hit about seventeen, it got to be a little old really fast. You know, seventeen, eighteen. And that's when I was, you know, helping ring crew with the WWF back then and hanging out with, you know, Hogan and Savage and, you know, Superfly and all those guys. Um, but I actually stepped away from kind of everything when I, when I hit about 20 years old. I just I didn't want to hear it anymore because it was everywhere, you know, family, friends, everywhere you go. It's that guy. It's that guy. But I guess about the time I turned 22, 23, it was like, you know what? It is what it is. Thank goodness somebody remembers me as opposed to not. So you know what? I'm just going to accept it and have fun with it, and I've always done that. You know, Richard, well, Richard, so, Pryor, you know, Richard Pryor taught me a lot about understanding fans' mentality, mortality, um, and how to enjoy life. Taught me a lot of things, and that was one of them because even he, was, he liked the films. And he said to me, you did a great job. You know, this is going to be for the – it's going to stand the test of time and all that stuff. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay, you know. And it happened. 
Now, do you, uh, do you, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, you guys uh, all still get together once a year every, uh, don't you, for the movie? Uh, um, on the set, the, last, the, old set. the last time we were all together was the 25th anniversary of Christmas Story. Bob was still around. Um, he was very close with Peter Billingsley, so he would say, we're going to Warner Brothers. This is what we're going to do. And Peter said, okay, and they went. Um, with Bob being gone, Peter's moved on. Peter's Ralphie, of course, moved on to producing right. and directing. You know, he, he, he produced one of the producers, a small movie. I mean, nobody ever saw it, you know, Iron Man, you know. Um, he directed Couples Retreat, and, you know, he's done other stuff. Uh, so he's now, he works with Vince Vaughn. He helps Wild West Productions. So he's sort of moved on more or less from it, so he's not really a part of the reunions because he's just too busy. Um, but the rest of us try and get together, you know, around once a year, if not more. You know, we have events that we do and places we go, and, you know, people want to meet us, ask us questions, take pictures, autographs, whatever it is. Now, uh, being in the Christmas story, you know, of course, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the the bunny costume and uh, your, you know, you doing the the pole thing and uh, the lamp. Now, in the Red Rider BB gun, now, did you guys, as kids on that film, did you guys all get your own Red Rider BB guns, or did you get your all get your own lamps, or did you guys no, all... no that, Well, no, because they only had a couple of BB guns, and the lamp, they only made, really, they made two of them. One was broken in the scene that, you know, with, with for Darren, uh, the old man, and the other one ended up with the uh, production designer, you know, the guy that, that actually created the thing. Uh, it was it was okay. an interesting film. It was so small budgeted, they didn't even buy our clothing. Our clothing was rented. Yeah, so we didn't get to keep anything. It all went back because they had rented the costumes and did everything. You know, uh, I mean the toy. I got some of my outfits. I have my motorcycle outfit. I have a military uniform. Uh, Kidco. I got my boots and a bunch of shoes and my hat and some other you know a few other things. A Christmas story, it was all rented stuff and went back to the the, the uh, wardrobe place that they rented it from. Well, and did you ever think back in the day when you were doing Christmas Story that every Christmas Eve that it would be aired twelve times in one day every Christmas Eve? Did you ever did you guys ever think about that? No. No. Christmas story was Bob Clark's labor of love. Realistically the film was never supposed to be made. It was blackmail. You know, uh, he did Porky's, and the company wanted him to do Porky's too, and he knew this was the power. He had the power at that moment and said, listen, absolutely, I'm going to do Porky's too right after I do my movie A Christmas Story. And they fought tooth and nail. They, did, they wanted it done right away, and he said, no, no, I'm going to do it after this. It's a short shooting schedule. It'll be an easy edit. I'll get right to Porky's too. He asked them for $5 million for the budget. They wouldn't even give it to him. They gave him $4 million. He gave back his directing fee to buy a piece of the film. That's how much he loved it. He wanted to have ownership. Um, so it was done. And to us, it was a small film. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen to it. You just hope that it comes out nicely and people like it. You know, much different than the toy where you had Gleason and Pryor and you knew you were going to have box office and you knew you are going to have instant, you know, fans of the film and all of that. This was just a labor of love of Bob Clark's, and he brought us along for the ride. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing also about it 
is the fact that uh, Christmas Story, it was, I believe it was in the movie theater for like two weeks or something like that. It didn't really Three hit weeks. Stride and, yeah, it really Three didn't hit its stride. Go ahead. Well, again, it was in the in the theaters for three weeks because the studio didn't care. They had very little money into it. And so they brought it out Thanksgiving weekend, and, you know, it did okay. It went up in theaters the second week. Actually, we went up in theaters the, uh, up in theaters the third week, and then the fourth week, I think it was like Rambo 3 was coming out, and all of our theaters were gone. That was it. It went right to the second play theaters, you know, the second run theaters. It right. More really, I, it really, it it got a massive following from home video. You know, home video. You know, we have to be thankful for, for basically the whole thing. You know, afterwards because people just loved it and they would say, "Hey, have you seen this?" No, I never saw it. What is that? And they would share their VHS copies with people. You know, the story that I got uh, years later. I mean, it was thirteen years later. Um, Ted Turner was buying a lot of MGM's vault, their, their films, their, their collection of films for Turner Entertainment and TBS and TNT and whatever, and he needed two films. And his secretary said, hey, why don't you get a Christmas story? And he had no idea what it was. And she brought in her VHS copy, and Ted Turner and Jane Fonda watched a Christmas story and decided to put it in the package and buy it and that's led to the marathon and the rest of it. That's awesome. Now, do you? So, uh, now, do you? Do you he said he was a wrestling fan. Icon. Yeah, I, I, I had a couple of wrestling questions. So, kind of, kind of growing up. Now, you you had mentioned you know doing the you know the ring stuff and hanging out with with some of those guys. But as a kid uh, watching it, I mean, did you have any any favorites? Anybody you looked up to? You know, any any you know, guys that you tuned in every week to see, or were you just kind of a general I was, I, listen, I, I was, in, I was, I was born in 68, so I'm an 80s baby, I'm 12 years old in 1980, and yeah, you had a little bit of Bruno, and a little bit of a few other guys, but I mean, realistically, when Hulk Hogan came in, that was the guy, I mean, Hogan was the mm-hmm. man, there was no question, and if, and, and you didn't get to see him every week on WWF Superstars on Saturday mornings, you know, uh, but, what happened, I was at an audition for a film, and Big John Studd was there. And he was auditioning for the film as well, for another role. And he scared the hell out of me, and I didn't even want to go in the room. And my father's like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's Big John Studd. He fights Andre the Giant. He's a bad guy. And my father's like, would you shut up? Get in here. <laughs> so my audition time was before his. He had gotten there early to rehearse. I went in for my reading. I come out. My dad is sitting next to John Studd, and my dad goes, Scott, this is John. John, this is Scotty, and John Studd extended a hand of friendship, and he goes, Scotty, I saw the toy. You were great, man. I'm a fan, and that was it, and we talked, and actually, we ended up giving him a ride down to Madison Square Garden that day for, for an event, and he gave me his whole telephone number. And said, hey, when we're in New York or in New Jersey at the Meadowlands, you want to come, just call me at home, and I'll take care of you. And I ended up going uh, to the first Saturday night main event on NBC with Hogan and Nikolai Volkov and the British Bulldogs and, and, and Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. Um, and they grabbed me. They pulled me in the back. Uh, I ended up 
uh, one of the ring guys had brought the belts back, the tag team belts, and nobody wanted to take them ringside because they didn't want to be on television. And I'm like, give me the belts. I'll take them. I've been on television a hundred times on commercials. What do I give a shit? I didn't care. So I went down the ringside and put the belts back on the table, and Brutus Beefcake turned around. He goes, what are you doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. Just, just do your job. Everything is fine. And I turned around, and I went backstage. And afterwards, they came back, and Brutus has given me a ration of crap. And one of the other guys comes over. He goes, no, 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 no. It's our mistake. This is what happened. Oh, okay. And then they introduced me and told Brutus who I was, and that was it. And we're still best of friends 30, oh, my God, 33, almost 33 years later. But that got me in with the guys, and then they're like, hey, can you get us a hot dog? Can you get us a beer? Can you get us some food? And I did that for the better part of 14, 15 months. I was on the road. I was jumping in my car, driving to events, flying to events, and uh, I had a blast. Now, uh, not to sound uh, too forward here, and I, I got to do this real quick. Uh, I know it's I know it's not till Saturday, but I want to wish you a happy birthday because I've always wanted to do that. Well, thank you. It's a it's hopefully it's going to be a memorable birthday, and hopefully there'll be many more. You know, when you when you hit the big five zero after that, it's kind of like you just you're here and you just make the best of life. Right, and uh, you know the cool you know the cool thing is. You know, uh, when I like I say, when I was a kid, I don't want to sound too sappy here, but I was a kid. I always looked up to you because when you were on that, when you had that game room, it's like I told everybody that's the kind of game room I want to have. And when you think about it, that that room could actually be what actually started the man cave craze. When you think about it, maybe to some degree, that's kind of funny. I, I don't know if I'll take full credit for it, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's awesome. Now, uh, is it? My my man cave is much different than that. My man yeah, cave well, is, you know, aren't you? Well, yeah, but that's sort of beside the point, you know. I mean, I have a, a a tabletop video game that has elevator action and Donkey Kong Jr. and that kind of stuff, and then all my I got wrestling stuff in my hutch and my kitchen, my Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth sign LJN figures, and my Hulk Hogan stuff and Barry Bonds and Pam Anderson and all Barbara Eden and Carrie Fisher and all the other crap that I have. It's everywhere. I have an original gong from the gong show that I grew up with. You know, fun stuff. Now, do you uh, you still uh, you said you still have contact with uh, wrestlers, right? Sure. Oh no, I mean i I still talk to Beefcake. I still talk to Hogan. You know, God rest his soul. You know, I, I Piper was like a second dad to me. Jerry Lawler is one of my close friends. Uh, DDP and I have been together at shows together. I'm sorry I missed him. Hopefully, you know, if he's listening, you know, hey Dallas. Good to, good to know you're still out there, brother. Keep it going. Um, you know, but, I mean, most of, the, most of the guys from the current roster, you know, if I go to an event, I see them, I go to a hotel, you know, whatever, and we hang out. Um, but there's some fun guys, you know. I mean, of course, I mean, I miss the days of Randy Savage and, and Miss Elizabeth. God rest their souls. Loved them to death. You know, Piper was just a great character, you know. The Iron Sheik was a great character. Nikolai Volkov. There was something about those characters that were just so iconic and so timely. You know, Hogan is just – Hogan is Hogan. You know, he's, he's the guy. I mean, we know The Rock and Steve Austin, you know, but the guy that really took wrestling from the independents and the smaller, you know, regionals to the nationwide was Hogan, 
you know, Vince McMahon and cable television. That's what brought it to the forefront. And, you know, Hulk Hogan's still the first wrestler to ever be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you know, that I have at home. It's so great. You know, WrestleMania no. 1 was great. I, wor- I worked WrestleMania 2 in New York. I helped put up the Mr. T, Roddy Piper boxing match, you know, the, the corner stuff. I helped do all that stuff with, you know, the guys, you know, That's Mike, awesome. Mark, and, and, and Tony Schimmel, who's still with them. You know, so, I mean, I have had I have had a hell of a lot of fun, and, and those guys made it more fun. Now, the reason why I was asking about that, and, uh, you know, I hope this doesn't stop you forward, but uh, do you think maybe you might be able to, you know, hook us up with them or pass my number to them and see if they might want to be on the show? Who, who are you talking about? Well, Brutus. Do you, want, case, do you want to, like, Brutus or Jerry? Sure, of course. I can do that. We'll talk about that later. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'll just call you because I got your number, and uh, I, you're one of the few that hasn't actually put a restraining order on me, which is really cool. Uh, so, anyway, um, being so you uh, you got to uh, help set up the ring and all that. Now, you are, I'm sure. Did you were you backstage most of the time, or did you get to like sit front row for these matches on WrestleMania? Two? Oh no. No, I was – actually, this is what happened. I mean, I will, I will tell you the story. We have a few minutes. Yeah, go ahead. I was, at Madison, I was at Madison Square Garden, and it's a union building, so I couldn't do anything with the ring at all. But I was in the back corridor, you know, where Hulk Hogan always used to see him in the hallway, you know, clapping his hands, getting ready and all that. So I'm in the hallway, and it was a match and a half before the main event. And it was going to be uh, – Mean Gene was going to be in the ring with Miss Elizabeth. She was going to do an interview thing. Hogan was going to come out with these flowers, and then they were going to do a quick spiel. Then Randy comes out, and the flowers go all over the place, and it's on. Here we go. And somebody goofed. Nobody picked up flowers. And I'm standing there in the hallway, and I hear Vince. He's screaming at people. He was pissed, man. Where are my flowers? Where are my flowers? Well, Vince (laughs) comes out. He comes to the hallway, and he's screaming about these flowers. I had never met the man. But I go, I'll go get your flowers. Don't worry. And I tore down the hallway, took the freight elevator, across the street was a, a florist. I gave him 50 bucks. He hands me flowers. You know, I come back. I ran upstairs. You know, I got in the freight elevator, hand him the Vince. He hands him the Hogan. And literally, it was like 12 seconds to go. He, he was going out there with nothing in 12 seconds. And I handed the flowers to him. He goes out. Vince looks at me, <clears throat> and he goes, I have no idea who you are but you do not leave my building until I have meet with you, until I talk to you. I said, okay. So everything goes off without a hitch. It's great. End of the main event. Vince sticks his head out of one of the rooms. He goes, okay, kid, come here. And it's just me, Vince, in a little table, you know, little mock office. And he goes, who are you? I said, how you doing? My name is Scotty Schwartz. I've been helping the guys ring crew. And I'm in the movies. And, and he had seen the toy. And he's like, wait a minute. Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason. I said, yeah, I was a kid. I, I bought Richard Pryor. I was Jackie Gleason's son. I said, I also did a movie called The Christmas Story. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Oh, my, 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 I'm going to show it to the kids. And blah, and we, he went on and on. So he says to me, listen, you know, you helped me do this. You helped me tonight. I can't thank you enough. You saved my main event. What can I do for you? I could have asked for anything. Hulk Hogan's boots, Andre the Giant's trunks, anything I wanted. And I said, you know what, Vince? I said, nothing. I, I want nothing. I said, although, 
can you make sure that when I go to the different places that I have my staff pass? Because every so often Pat Patterson runs late or one of the other guys, he goes, that's all you want from me. I said, yeah. And you got it. Gave me the office number. If you ever had a problem, you call, whatever. Okay. Three months later, WrestleMania two is coming up. And I had worked the Boston Garden Saturday night. And it was the only WrestleMania on, on a Monday. I drove home that night, and it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, and the phone rings in my house. And my father picked up the phone in the kitchen, and he's like, hello? Yes, Scotty's home. Who's calling? Who? Hold on, and I can hear him. And he comes in the bedroom. He says, you got to take this phone call. I'm like, Dad, I'm exhausted. Just whoever it is, take a message. He goes, no, no, I think you want to take this. It's Vince McMahon. I go, okay. So I get out of bed, and I get on the phone. Hey, Vince, what's going on? Scotty, I need your help. I have Vince. What do you need? Tomorrow is mania. We're in three cities. We got New York, Chicago, LA. I'm very short staffed in New York. I said, okay. He's like, can you do all the celebrities rooms, the, the dressing rooms? I said, sure. That's easy. No problem. He goes, come at 1.30. I'll leave you an envelope with money. You'll have a pass, whatever you need, etc." I said, can I bring a friend with me just for the ride? He said, sure. Whatever you want. I said, okay, I'll take care of it. So I go the next day, I go over to, I drive over to Nassau Coliseum, which is about an hour and a half from my house, drive over, I get there, I parked on the ramp, told the guy who I was, he called, no problem, okay, fine. I went shopping, I got the water, the flowers, the fruit baskets, you know, the drinks, whatever. So I did the dressing rooms for Mr. T, G. Gordon Liddy, Joan Rivers, uh, Lou Duva, uh, oh, my God, I'm trying to think. Who else? Those were the big five, I think, that were there. Um, you know, everything went fine. Nobody complained. Joan Rivers wanted a particular kind of water. She was kind of a pain in the ass, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but everybody else was great, and, uh, you know, the event went off. No problem. Everything was fine. So uh, about six weeks later, Spectrum and Vince was there, and he says, oh, good, you're here. i got to talk to you before I said, oh, before you leave. I said, okay. So it was the end of the night, whatever, and I always stayed late because the Spectrum was 45 minutes from my house. So I go over, and he's like, good, come here for a second. He says, listen, I can't thank you enough. He goes, the celebrities in Los Angeles, all they did was bitch and moan. The football players in Chicago with all that with the Battle Royal, all they did was bitch and moan. He's like, I got phone calls from New York. Nobody complained. All they did was say how professional everything was and how professionally they were treated and great. He said, I want to say thank you. I said, you're welcome, Vince. That's awesome. You know, so that's really how the beginnings of me getting in with the WWF started, you know, and. You know, I didn't go – when I moved to California, there wasn't as many events here. I did go with San Diego once in, like, 93 and talked to Vince for a little bit. Um, but then I didn't go for, oh, my God, 14 years. Wait, no, wait a minute. Yeah, 14 years, I didn't go. And uh, – no, wait a minute. Let me do that again. 93 <laughs> to 14. Oh, my God, 21 years. That's amazing. Wow. I didn't go for all those years. And uh, I met Jerry Lawler at a, at a show. Come to find out he was a monster fan of A Christmas Story. We met, we talked. He's like, well, we're going to be in L.A. for SummerSlam. You got to go. My first thought in the back of my head is, oh, my God, I've been to 150 wrestling matches. Are you kidding? 
Are you serious, man? I said, sure. I'll come to see some of the old boys, whatever. Okay. So I went and, uh, you know, so I mean, Hogan was there and I said hi to him and I got to meet Brock Lesnar and my absolute, probably favorite manager of all time, Paul Heyman. I just love the guy. He could be my advocate. I love him. Um, and I, I'm in the garage. I'm in, I'm in the garage having a cigarette with Pat Patterson and we're just shooting the bull and laughing our asses off. Just an absolute sweetheart of a man. And uh, he goes inside. It was the end of the show. And here comes Stephanie and uh, Triple H. And Stephanie's about eight feet away, six feet away. Now she's getting closer to me. She's looking at me like, I know you. I, I know you, you know. And she comes up and she's, she looks at me and I said, hi, Steph, how you doing? Good to see you again. She's like, I know you, but it's just not coming to me. I said, well, I haven't seen you since you're about 12. And she just kind of, her eyes just kind of open. I said, well, Scotty Schwartz, I said, you know, I used to help your dad a long time ago. And, you know, I did a movie called The Toy and a Christmas Story. She goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's it. I know exactly who you are. My dad talked about you for years. My dad loves you. Oh, my God, we love Christmas Story. Da, da, da. Well, she, she gives me a big hug, and here comes Hunter, and he's not happy. Because she's hung and she's given a hug to some strange guy, and she goes, she goes, she goes, honey, honey, no, this is Scotty. He's in the Twain Christmas Story. He used to do stuff for Dad, and he's like, I know who you are, dude. I'm a big fan. I love you. It's so nice to meet you. Well, that was it. Awesome. Hunter and Stephanie have, have treated me like family, you know, and and I've done the same back to them with care and respect. I've been to manias, you know, and you know. Uh, I, I've always, I've always known what not to do and what to do. You don't go around looking for autographs backstage. You don't, you know, take a whole lot of pictures or anything backstage. You know, stick to the catering, stick to the the ringside area, and I'm safe and I'm good. You know, and I've well, always done if, that. Uh, well, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, you know the autograph thing, but uh, so, you know, I know you can't go out and ask, but. If they offer, you, you don't turn that down, do you, or are you supposed to? You know, 99 out of 100 times, I don't bring anything with me. I don't bring anybody with me. You know what I bring with me? I bring my dog. I bring Miss Elizabeth, my little baby. She's a mini teacup chihuahua. She weighs three pounds, and all of the gang loves her. The guy wrestlers, the divas, the women wrestlers, they kidnap my dog and take her to the woman's locker room. That's what they do. Um, really? I've, I've, yes, it's a, yeah, Becky Lynch is in love with Miss Elizabeth, my dog. Natalia loves the doggy. Maurice loves the dog. I mean, they all just go crazy for my little baby girl, Miss Elizabeth, who I named, of course, after. Um, it's funny because I've gone to events and I brought things for people. And, and, and you know, like Mark Carano has seen me with a magazine in my hand, and he thinks I'm getting autographs. And I see him, and I look at him, I go, Mark, look, Wrestling News, 1964. It has Buddy Rogers on the cover. It's a present for, for Triple H. So I purposely do that so he knows I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, Tony, you know, when, they, when they bring me in the building, Tony takes care of me, and he'll always say to me, do you got anything? And I go, yeah, here, here's a magazine for, for, for Paul, for Triple H. You know, or here's something for so-and-so, you know. Now, how old is your little puppy dog? My little baby girl is a little over three years old. 
I've been bring, I brought her to events when she was a year, two years, you know, and she's a, a sweetheart, doesn't bark, doesn't bite, loves everybody. And, you know, when you weigh three pounds, people go crazy. You know what went crazy? Um, not this year, but last year in Orlando, uh, Mark Henry. Mark Henry went batty for Miss Elizabeth. He went and he sat down outside the bar on one of the stools and sat there and was cuddling my baby girl for 20 minutes. <laughs> you probably eat that. And it was, it was, a, was, it was a sight it, yeah. to, to see this big man with this little itty-bitty puppy and he's just cuddling her in his arm, and he's going, who's the baby girl? I love the baby girl. I mean, it was hysterical. You know, but they're people. Yeah. They're all people. Yeah, you know, the, the cool thing is, you know, uh, of, all the, of all the years that, you know, I've been, I've been watching you and I've been a fan of yours and everything, uh, you know, it, it just kind of, uh, you know, it kind of blew me away that, you know, that uh, – that with all the stuff that, you know, you, like in the movie, the toy, that they didn't let, you didn't have the opportunity to keep any of that stuff. That was kind of, that's kind of sad. And a lot, your, a lot of that stuff was fake. I had no idea. Well, no, like the toy, I mean, they offered, they said, what do you, they said to me, what do you want? You can have anything you want. And I wanted the little motorized Trans Am car that I drove around. And my father said, no, no, hey, dude, you're 14 years old. You, you can't have that thing. Well, to this day, he still tells me, yes, I made a mistake. I'm a schmuck. I should have never said nothing and let you have whatever you want, you know. Um, so I ended up there in, in the scene where uh, Richard's talking to me. He's sitting on this big glove, and we hug. Right behind us is a, uh, to the left, is like a little fort, a little wooden fort. And they ended up sending me the wooden fort to New Jersey that I put together in my backyard. I insulated it. I put uh, wall paneling and carpeting, and I made a little fort, you know, and I grew out of it pretty fast, but it was fun to have it while I was there, and, you know, years later when I moved to California, I didn't take it with me, and the next person that bought my family's house just took it down, and they threw it in the garbage. Oh, no. Huh. Hey, uh, what kind of motorcycle was that that you rode the movie? Do you remember? Yamaha 60. That's what I learned to, to ride on, the Yamaha 60. Oh, that was awesome. I would have I loved to have that I'm surprised you didn't ask for that. You know what? It was fun, but that wasn't my personality. I liked the little go-kart, you know. I mean, I could have asked for one of the pinball machines. But as it was, I, had, I already had a pinball machine in my basement. We had uh, the Space Invaders pinball machine. So I had a pinball machine already, mm. so I didn't need the haunted, man, the haunted Mansion or Haunted House, whatever. I think it was Haunted House, you know. So I just asked for the car, and then that got shot down, and... You know, the rest is what it is, but that's okay. You know, I got hey, stuff. Icon, uh, we have, um, I think that there's a lot of stories uh, that we could, sh- you know, that, that Scott uh, could share with us, as well as a couple of questions I think we would have uh, both about, you know, the movie career as well as, you know, uh, the, the wrestling thing and asking about guys, you know, that he's met in person and yada, yada. Uh, however, unfortunately, uh, up here in upstate New York, Scott, just so you know, we're uh, at a radio station up here in upstate New York. Icon's out in North Dakota. He calls in, but at the station that we're simulcasting through, uh, we do carry the Yankee game, and uh, they are playing the Red Sox tonight. So that is a yeah, giant yeah, rivalry. So I am getting, I am getting the, I am getting the, the throat cut symbol, which means cut it. So we got, we got to cut this pretty soon. Well, we'll do this again. You guys, you guys can call me or just let me know. I'll come on the show anytime. I don't care. 
You know, I'm, uh, you know, we can talk wrestling, talk to guys, talk about career, whatever you want. You know, this was fun. I, I love talking about this stuff. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's have you do a promo for us real quick, and then uh, we'll send you on the way. Then after we're done, I'll call you. Then we'll work out some other stuff. Uh, okay. So basically, uh, the way the promo works is you'll say your name. Uh, you can say uh, you're the star of the toy and the Christmas story, whatever you want. Uh, you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the icon and the big swing, and then you can say whatever else you want, and then uh, uh, we'll, I'll count you down for five, and then we'll do We have to do a couple takes. We'll do that, and then we'll see what happens. Hang on. Attitude Era Live with the big swing. And the icon. And the icon. Which is me, of course. Yes. All right. I think I, think I can handle that. All right. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, this is Scotty Schwartz. You've seen me in uh, the films The Toy and A Christmas Story, where I got my tongue stuck to the pole. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the big swing and the icon. Awesome. See, the thing is, that's for me, man. Yeah, that's the first time anybody's ever mentioned the big swing first, so it's going to be harder for me to edit it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm going kidding. to be the one doing all the editing, but... Anyway, no, we're, we're going to be using that in simulcast shows. We're using that coming out of commercial breaks for the next however long, uh, in, including tonight, when the show gets replayed tonight after the Yankees are over. Um, that's going to go right into the commercials and, and go from there. And I, so, I do have, yeah, I do have one last the, favor. I do have one last favor yes. for Scott, though, before he leaves. Will you accept yes. my friend's request on Facebook? I, uh, I, I'm at 4,999 friends. They can't be at 5,000. I dumped somebody so I can have you. Did you just send it today? Nice. Yeah, I did. Okay, then I'll see it Then when I go back inside, and I'll, uh, I'll do it. All right. And I'll tell you what, nice. Scott, I do appreciate it, and uh, we will definitely have you on again. And you want Laura and Beefcake, right? Yeah, if you can. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. And then uh, awesome. uh, awesome. I'll call you tonight because I, you know, I don't want you to think I'm stalking you. Why don't I uh, get a hold of you tomorrow and then we'll just work it out? Yeah, that's, well, that's good because I've got a radio. I've got a radio show that I do here every other week, uh, uh, from six uh, six fifth seven o'clock till seven fifty, and uh, so that'll be good. Now call me tomorrow. That's fine. And you know, I forgot. I've got a okay. show coming up in. Uh, that I'm that I'm promoting in St. Louis, and I probably should have did a promo for it, but you can just put it up on the website. It's called the STL-PopCultureCon.com. St. Louis, it's okay. the weekend of SummerSlam, August 17th and 19th. Uh, I've got 25 celebrities, eight or nine members of the movie Grease, uh, Vicky Guerrero, Brutus Beefcake, um, Scott Bayo is doing his first ever autograph appearance. And and plenty of others. I'll send you the link to the site. You can put it up on your uh, on your page. All right. Yeah, and uh, awesome. like I said, anybody that you, anybody that you can uh, hook hook us up with, we appreciate. It. Like uh, like Jenna Jameson and your mom from the toy. That would be awesome. You know, you probably wouldn't have a lot to talk to Teresa about. And Jenna, I haven't talked to you now in years. She once she got past, you know, her career. You know, she lost her brains, and it's just like whatever. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, well, I'll take I one. hear you. We'll, we'll take we'll, we'll take we'll take beefcake and Lawler though. That would be awesome. That it will. Once you do La- once you do Lawler, he can open the doors to many many other people because 
he's still there, and, you know, he talks to the boys and talks to the old boys, too. Right, Hopefully so my yeah, hero, Jim Ross, up. comes through that. So, I can't know. Yeah, I'll call you tomorrow after afternoon after I get off work, and then we'll, we'll chat for a little bit. And then uh, I do appreciate you've been so awesome. It's finally nice to be able to talk to my first childhood actor hero, and it, it's been great, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you, Scott. You got it. Thank you. Stay tuned. This was the Attitude Era Live special show. We had Diamond Dallas Page and Scott Schwartz with us right after the music. Stay tuned for first pitch, Yankees Red Sox. Dead man walking. You got it now. 